Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Body. I'm your host, Kaylee Knapp. This episode is filled with so much wisdom and just good, relatable advice. As a guest today, we have my former roommate and friend, Becca Aldrich, and she talks about overcoming anxiety, self-love, and how to hold space and respect another person's religious beliefs and value them even though their beliefs are different than yours. It's definitely a longer episode than usual. It's a bit chatty, but there's so much good stuff in here. I really, really think you're going to love it. So we'll just hop right in. All right. I am here with my former roommate and all-around wonderful person, Becca Aldrich. Um, What I did want to say, and I actually only just remembered this today, is I remember when we were living together, you were teaching me something about essential oils and mentioned that at your work at the time, you had like, some people would refer to you as like the hippie earth mother. And I feel like that is actually a good description of you a little bit. Um, So yeah, so I wanted to mention that to our listeners. And if there is anything else you'd like to add to introduce yourself. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think, I mean, that would have been um, maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago that that conversation would have probably happened between us. And I feel even more strongly associated with that description of myself um, now <laughs> than I would have even then. So um, I think that, yeah, the the hippie earth mother in a practical down to earth, curious kind of way is, um, you know, probably a, a good way to describe me. Yes, I and practical down to earth. Definitely. I would agree with like you're not. You're not like spacey out in the clouds. You're like mm-hmm. definitely a natural, like go with the flow, but still a, a real person, if that makes sense. Not that other people aren't real. <laughs> but... I, know, I totally get it. Like we're as, as much as we can have these, you know, ideas and this connection to things and whatnot, we still live in a very tangible, real world where we pay our bills and we live in homes and we deal with people every day and we walk our dogs and we go to the grocery store. So like there's things that need to keep us, you know, for lack of a better term, that grounded. So no, I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so from one of the emails that we have been kind of exchanging back and forth, I wanted to read for our listeners, like why... This is like the summary of why when I read this email, I was like, yes, please be on the podcast, like share everything. (laughs) And and you wrote, for the past few years, I have been on a journey to understand myself more. What started out as lots of self-development podcasts, books, journaling, et cetera, morphed into a greater realization that I didn't need to find or develop myself. I just needed to learn who I was, to learn to trust myself and to above all, love myself. I needed to connect to myself, both the light and the dark. Um, so like I said, <laughs> when I read that, I was like, this, I felt like that email was almost like reading someone's like beautiful memoir. Like, even though you just, <laughs> you just use like, you know, regular language, but I was like, this is amazing. Um, so with, uh, the first question I wanted to ask is what sparked your journey to understand yourself more? So without, I mean, I could probably go and talk about my entire life story because I feel like there were probably very pivotal moments throughout all of my life so far, but in the most recent ways or in the um, the largest ways, there were some traumatic things that had happened during my childhood. And when I was, you know, around the age of high school or college, I kind of turned to drugs and alcohol more so to mask that stuff. And that stemmed into dealing with some anxiety and depression. And I re- I went on medication for anxiety for a short time. And it was during that time when I realized that I wanted to be able to take control of as much as I could in this scenario, but I had no idea where to even start because for so long I had been trying to fit into what society wanted or to please everybody else around me. You know, I was one of five kids or I am one of five kids. So it's like, there wasn't a lot of time for individuality. So when I started this and I was dealing with this anxiety and depression, I didn't even know who I was, let alone how to try and understand what I could do on my own to try and just dig deeper and kind of explore myself. So that kind of started this whole path. And then I think initially it started with 
you know, some more of the, I don't want to say the surface level things, but, you know, eliminating alcohol, um, you know, cutting off friendships with people that I had like good friendships, but that just weren't serving me anymore. It kind of morphed into what do I need to do to physically take care of my body, how I eat, you know, activity, that kind of stuff. And then that kind of went on for uh, probably 10 years or so until I got to the point where I, I continued to learn about myself, but then it was almost like with every major struggle, I had these tools in my toolbox that I knew I could rely on, like getting out and going for a run or taking the dog for a walk or making sure I was eating foods that like energetically gave me the right type of feeling. But I still inside, I still knew that there were so many blocks and these heavy emotions that kept me from really being able to like take it to the next step. So I think with, with these other struggles, it gave me an opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper and kind of like what I had said in the email in terms of, you know, going into the dark aspects and understanding that that's actually where most of the growth, at least for my own story was going to come from. There's a quote by Joseph Campbell that I keep up on my bathroom mirror and it says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And that is one that I kind of keep with me because it's been in those really trying times that I just, I'm curious. I want to know more about people. I want to know more about myself. I want to know how we're all connected. And so with that curiosity is kind of what stems me because I do feel like we all have the power within ourselves to make those changes um, or to at least uncover some of the the situations that present in our lives. Wow. <laughs> that was you very good. <laughs> that was a lot of it. That was a lot. Um a, a lot of good stuff, not just a lot. But what immediately I wanted to kind of ask based on what you said is what would your sort of advice be when you talk about like exploring those darker areas of yourself or of well of yourself, I think you said how would you recommend that people do that just based on your experience? Because it sounds very scary, but also very Mm -hmm. necessary, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there's, um, you know, there's still times where it is like, what am I going to uncover? You know, are there going to be things that are kind of scary or like, and then what do I do with it? You know, I am definitely, I would say I still have some um, functioning anxiety where it's like my mind goes, you know, 300, miles a minute. And it's like, what's next? What's next? How does this impact me? How will this happen? And so even be willing to kind of open up to some of the stuff that might not be so pleasant, you know, there, during some of those really difficult times, like I would pull in and use external resources. Like there have been different times in my life where therapy has been really helpful or even just close friends who allow the space to have the conversations. It might sound kind of cliche, but, you know, I think there's kind of beauty in the breakdowns and that those breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. I think now I've gotten to the point where with every kind of breakdown, I learn a little bit more about myself and I come to trust myself a little bit more that the next one, I feel like I can navigate that. So I think for you know, if it was advice for people who are starting out or or wanting to explore this, like, they're not fun. They're not always easy. There will be hard, but the, the knowledge that you gain from that, especially if there's another support system in place can be, you know, life-changing. And it sounds like a big word to use, but it's, it's just truly how I feel it's a long game. You know, I, like I said, I think the first time I really started to think about self-development was at this point, probably like 15, 17 years ago. And I'm still, you know, going through that because we're constantly changing, we're evolving. And as experiences present themselves or as people come into our lives or our lives change, there's going to be more and more that we uncover. And as long as we're growing and transitioning in those ways, there will be things that come to light that, you know, we have to navigate. But I think knowing that it's it's a process and that it's not something that's just like one and done, you know, I think also taking some of the stigmas away from things like therapy, like mental health, they're big concepts. And I think that feeling like we don't have to do everything alone. There's a lot of value in being able to 
go internal and try and understand ourselves and, and dig deep there. Because like I said, I do think that we have an innate knowing of ourselves better than anybody else, but it's not wrong to bring other people into those conversations. If it provides a safe space as people are, you know, starting to experiment with that kind of stuff. I also and this will probably get into down the road, but just even the things that make me feel better as I'm doing things, like if it's crystals, you know, holding crystals that I know might help with negative energies or whatever that looks like, or um, even having conversations with people that might feel heavy and like I'm exploring darkness, you know, prefacing some of those conversations with the the love that you're bringing into the situation or the conversation that you're willing to have, even if it's that communication with ourselves. You know, like if I'm going to sit there and if I'm trying to, you know, journal or go into things, having that conversation with myself, like it's okay if this is hard. It's okay if this is scary. It's okay if you don't even know what the answer is going to be or nothing comes of this. Like I'm here with you. As in, I'm saying that to myself, kind of. I think the other thing that was kind of eye opening for me, and I kind of alluded to it, but I have always had such a strong desire for belonging you know, the people pleasing, the perfectionism, I wanted to be liked by everybody. I wanted to, you know, have the house with the car, with the white picket fence, with the 2.5 kids and the dog and the job and like all the stuff that when those things didn't happen in my life on a timeline in, in some regards, the societal timeline, it allowed me to take a step back and realize that like, I just kind of need to let go of expectations of other people that are put on me, whether it's people I love, whether it's society, whatever it looks like, because in order for me to really do some of this work, I'm going to have to be okay exploring things that maybe don't line up with the expectations people have of me or the values that they put on me. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And that's like a huge one. I feel like that that's difficult for me. And I think it's difficult for almost everybody is just releasing yourself from all of the expectations that either are put on you by other people or for me sometimes I think they're put on me by other people when like totally sometimes people don't even care that much you know (laughs) the reality is that probably most people don't care that much but we, we do we put that we put that pressure on ourselves and I think it was I realized that I was in so many ways putting all of this pressure on myself. Now, part of it was because of situations from the past and, and, you know, having to grow up quick. And there were certain things where it's like, I had no choice, but to put some of this pressure and control on myself. But then it also got to a point where it was almost like unbearable. I remember driving to work one day and this was probably honestly, it may have been when we even lived together, like within the last seven, eight years. And just like, it was eight o'clock in the morning. I'm driving to work. My day haven't even started. And I just felt this angst inside that was like, I cannot do this anymore. You know, like this is just too much. It's too much to control. I just, I don't feel at any sort of peace. And that was the day that kind of really started to transition my, my self-development journey from just kind of the more of the physical pieces, like, you know, taking care of my physical health and exercising and that kind of stuff to more of the like deeper spiritual, emotional work that I felt like I could navigate on my own at that time. Yeah. Sorry. I was about to say something that, that I realized was really cliche, but was just that I'm sure that everyone listening would agree that sometimes those really like horrible moments are when we make it it kind of forces us to make a decision. Okay. I'm not living like this anymore, or I, you know, I'm going to change whatever huge life change. So it's interesting to me now thinking about it, that so many of us, especially myself, try to avoid all bad feelings when even from what you've said already, that exploring those darker aspects of yourself really results, like you said, in the most change and can probably be the most helpful. When my anxiety was pretty heavy, I had never experienced any sort of panic attack. And then I, there was a course over like five or six months where I had some pretty severe panic attacks and all of them stemmed around a 
a thought, whatever the situation was, but that like, I am alone. And I mean, even to this day, I still am kind of like piecing things together about like where that's come from, but it's a, it's a really hard realization to connect the dots and to face some of those, whether they're subconscious beliefs or even if we're aware of them, but to, to face those. Cause it, it's not, I don't think it's part of our human experience to feel that way or to think those thoughts. Like I truly believe that in the most basic level, like we are here to love and we are here to connect. And so to feel differently, it happens by all means, but like, I don't think that that's part of what necessarily the human experience that we're, that we're supposed to have or that we all want to have. So having some of those, I mean, it was like that, that was a really dark and scary to feel like I'm alone. Because then it's like, what is this? What is life even about if I'm alone? I have a wonderfully large family. I had a great network of friends. I felt like there were people all around me, but it felt like I was completely alone. And that it's not comfortable. But, you know, it's, that was one of the situations where it's like, okay, what, what do you do with this information now? And once you know, once you have that realization, you can't really just turn your back on it. You know, like once it comes up, it's like, oh, right. There's that thing that reared its ugly head and it's probably going to stay there until I do something about it. And that's actually through kind of trials and tribulations and years of work. That's what I figured out all of my anxiety was about. It was all of this emotion and this energy that was trying to get my attention. I I labeled it as scary and bad and uncomfortable. And it kept me from, I mean, I literally moved back into my mom's house when I was having these panic attacks. And I didn't know if I would ever be able to move away from her basement because I was so dis, I was so uncomfortable in my day to day. And I realized that it's all just the same energy, whether we're excited or whether we're anxious and scared, it's the same physical sensation. It's just the label that I was putting on it. Now that's like 10 years worth of trying to figure it out and uncover and putting myself in different situations and being like, oh, okay. But starting to recognize that the the anxiety was there to tell me something changed the way that I looked at it. And it allowed me to, you know, back to what we were talking about, approach it with a a softer lens and approach it with a little bit more love and a little bit more curiosity and to try and figure out like, what are you trying to teach me? What are the things that I'm so anxious about and so afraid of? Because there's value there. There's a reason that I'm anxious about them. There's a reason that they scare me. And I want to know what that is all about, because I have a feeling it's probably going to bring a lot of joy into my life if I can figure that part out. That I feel is one of the (laughs) most wisdom loaded explanations or answers I've ever heard from anything in a long time. Just this idea that all of our emotions in some way are are trying to help us is what it sounds like, really. Yeah. So I had uh, no joke, like being alone the rest of my life was like my number one fear. My second fear was flying. And then my sister, one of my sisters decided to move to Australia. And it's like, well, I'm either never going to see her or I have to somehow <laughs> figure out this fear of flying, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, the, the again, the physical sensations and the fear and the, the thoughts, like I would be in tears crying before I'd have to get on a flight. I mean, it was the most uncomfortable thing. But it was one of those situations, again, where it's like, it's the exact same sensation. There has to be something here. I know there's a world to see. How do I push myself and open myself up to those possibilities? What can I do to make myself believe that I can do this and that I'm capable of doing this stuff and that I can trust myself enough to step out of my comfort zone and embrace the things that I keep feeling called to do. Cause that's the other thing. Like when the feelings don't go away, they're just going to keep showing up and they're going to show up until you do something about them, whether they're good feelings or bad feelings, they're going to just keep showing up until you recognize them. So 
that was kind of the the ongoing slaps in the face, like, hey, anxiety here, like still here, <laughs> you know, like not leaving you alone. We got some work to do that kind of, you know, allowed some of that kind of journey to happen. Yeah. Wow. And it, and I did go fly to Australia too. I'm like, still can't believe I did it because it was like, <laughs> well, you know, but it was again, I guess just an example of embracing the fears. Yeah. I'm actually curious about specifically the flying to Australia. What do you think helped the most in making you feel like you were capable of doing that? So I think through a lot of the, the experiences that I had had, first, I knew what I wanted or what I needed to do in order to physically make my body feel as good as it could. Right. So the simplest things of not drinking for a couple months leading up to a flight, because I knew that, you know, alcohol would make me more anxious. Um, you know, not having caffeine, like trying to eat, just trying to nourish my body in the way that I know it would respond best. But the thing that I was really helpful for me was meditation and visualization. I would visualize myself kind of floating through the clouds and putting myself in that situation and feel finding peace, you know, looking out a window and just feeling like you're floating along the clouds was, was really powerful for me. And it gave me a sense of kind of calm about all of it. Um, and I think that happened because I had to take a flight for work and it was the week after my grandmother had passed and she had passed. And then we, we took off and it was early enough in the morning where the sun was rising above the clouds. I mean, you couldn't see it from below cause you know, it's Michigan and it was in February and it's like overcast. Hello. But once we got up above the clouds, it was the most beautiful sunrise. I mean, cotton candy clouds, the sun was coming. It was just stunning. And I remember thinking, this is as close to heaven as I think you could probably get. And feeling this connection of like my grandmother passing, I was up in the clouds seeing this sunrise and it just was this vision. And that was like almost a year before I went to Australia. So it was this vision that I had where every time I would try and think about flying and think about like what that looks like and the fear of flying over the Pacific Ocean for 15 hours with like no place to land if you need to, you know, <laughs> like that is very real fear. It, it was such a vision that I was able to have and grab onto and like almost kind of train my body to feel that sense of peace. And it, it made a difference. I think visualization is a tool, you know, our, our brains don't know the difference on a very basic level between what is real and what is not. I've had some pretty powerful moments with visualization, you know, completely sober moments with visualization. Where it's just, <laughs> oh, I just want to clarify that for listeners, you know, I'm not, but it's, I'm not, I'm not endorsing drugs, but there's, there's just, I think it's one of the most beautiful ways to connect with ourselves and to, and almost to train ourselves in a way to face some of those scarier, more uncomfortable things. That's great advice. Um, so I have questions written down that I haven't asked and you've answered most of them. <laughs> because you shared a lot of, a lot of very good, no, you shared a lot of very good information. So this might sound a little bit random, but I thought, you know what, I want to ask it just so I don't forget because you've shared so much about your journey and like what you've learned, I'm wondering specifically, like what advice would you give someone who wants to love themselves more? And you may have actually already answered this, but I still wanted to ask it just in case, uh, in case there was more or something specific that you wanted to say. I think the thing that's been most helpful for me is really realizing that everything is individual. People have the best intentions by all means, but the advice you get is not always going to work for you. The books you read aren't always going to be the things that resonate most. People love to give advice, but knowing that it's not always going to work for you, whatever fad diet it is, isn't going to work for everybody. You know, the, the expectations, it's, it's just not going to work. Everything is individual and it's okay to be an individual and to embrace your individuality. And nobody is really going to be able to tell you what is going to be best for you 
accept yourself. And again, like it's not a, it's not a quick process to figure it out, but you know, there are definitely, there are lots of things that I struggle with still and will. And it, like I said, it's just this continual process of literally, it's like when you feel like one thing, you've kind of got a good handle on it, something else pops up and then it's like, Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. My, uh, my lack of money mindset. Got it. That's next. Okay. Here we go. Oh, cool. Oh, body image check. That'll be like in six months, you know, there's always something. I think it's just finally embracing who you are. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but it's so hard, especially when we live in a culture where it's just like, we all just want to belong. And there's so much content out there and so much stuff. Do this, try that bigger, better, faster, stronger. It's hard to kind of eliminate all that in order to just focus on yourself. But I feel like by taking the time to focus on yourself and just learning about yourself is how you come to love yourself. Because you start to notice like the quirks, no joke. I always thought I was just like crazy and decisive and that it was like a bad thing because there were people in my life who had told me like, you can never make up your mind and like almost scolded me for it in a way. It just turns out that that's just who I am. You know, I am <laughs> sun sign in Gemini and I'm totally okay with that. And I love that about myself because with that indecisiveness, it also means that I can see all the sides of every story. And it's really easy for me to be empathetic with people. And instead of taking this, somebody else's version of what that means and them putting that on me, it's like, no, I get to decide what that means. And that's quirky and I'm okay with it. And if my mood changes with the wind, that's okay too, you know? But I think that 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 journey to love ourselves is just, it comes by connecting to ourselves. And I think especially now too, like we are, for as connected as we are, we are so disconnected. People don't know how to talk to each other. Everything is done via screens. I mean, you have to love technology in some regards. Like we are sitting, you know, (laughs) two and a half hours apart and we're talking via Zoom. Like I love it. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so much disconnect from ourselves and then therefore disconnecting from one, each other, disconnecting from our planet. I mean, you could go on and on. Because we can't connect with everything else until we connect with ourselves. And I think that's the first part of really loving yourself and understanding yourself is learning about yourself and connecting to yourself. Probably just one big like circle that I went in. (laughs) No, that was very good. I feel like this whole conversation, every time you say something, I'm literally like... Whoa, like I just want to say, wow. <laughs> I love, the listeners won't be able to see our faces, but I love that I can see your face while we're doing this because the facial expressions with the hand up in the wall just makes it. That was very interesting. So I think that accepting yourself as an individual and knowing yourself and not feeling like you have to kind of meet anyone else's criteria really in in some ways that kind of leads into our next topic a little bit I did want to read another section of your email where you said my boyfriend and I talk about how faith and spirit spirituality sorry about that is an individual journey that I can be on my own path and he on his without any need to change beliefs but to hold space and value for what that faith does for each of us independently and how that creates a better space for us when we're together. So I wrote that this question and now I'm like, do I really want to ask that? But I do. So you also mentioned in your email that in the past, religion has been very triggering for you. And I would like to hear about like, why is that? Yeah. So I was raised in the Catholic Church. And to this day, there is a Catholic church in my hometown of Traverse City that my grandfather was the architect on. And that is a space I can go any day and feel so connected. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. So this is nothing against the, you know, the Catholic religion or, or any organized religion for that matter. But growing up, I had a really hard time connecting to it. It felt for me, it felt like I was put in a box, you know, that it was, 
you know, no joke. I'd be that we had a big family. We'd get to church late. Usually we'd sit upstairs because that's where like the noisy people sometimes were. And I would be sitting there thinking about like, what would happen if I jumped over the balcony and did cartwheels down the aisle up to the altar? You know, like (laughs) it was just, it was not a thing. And it felt, I struggled with with the rules and with the, um, the limitations and with everything feeling. And again, this is just my interpretation of it, but it felt very negative in a way, you know, it was, it was about guilt and shame and sin. And it's not just, it's just something that I didn't align with. And then there were some situations where, you know, my parents divorced when I was younger and the church wasn't necessarily there to support us in a way that would stem from the most basic values of love and compassion and, um, you know, care for thy neighbor and that kind of stuff. And that was hard. And I think, you know, it was also around the time where it was kind of coming into, you know, middle school and um, high school and just those teenage years of trying to kind of figure out who you were. And it just wasn't the thing. And so as I grew into adulthood, it felt like, mind you, I also live in a community that is very heavily built on strong religious foundation here in West Michigan. And if there were a lot of times where I would, um, you know, have conversations with people and they'd be very open about their religion and we're open about it, but not necessarily up for discussion. And when it was me sharing any of my beliefs or not questioning things, but even just trying to learn more, it felt like people were trying to push their beliefs on me. I didn't realize this until my boyfriend and I had this conversation about spirituality because he triggered me when, well, actually on a Monday at work, there was a woman who triggered me about spirituality and her religion. And then it was literally the next day where I was having a conversation. My boyfriend and I met online at the beginning of a pandemic. (laughs) So all of this conversation was via text at first. And, you know, he, he shared his faith and I, I just, it was almost like I shut down and it was like, nope, not me, not going to date somebody who has, uh, who is part of an organized religion. It's not my thing. I knew that was my response. It wasn't anything that he said. It was my response. And so instead of responding to anything or even letting myself have any thoughts further than that, I thought, why is this triggering me so much? Why is it that just him saying that he is a man of faith and devout in his faith? Why does that mean that I would like throw away all of this other good stuff because of one thing? Like, what is it about that? So when I, I mean, literally this happened over the course of like five minutes in my brain at like (laughs) 10 o'clock at night, but I started peeling back these layers. And I think first, I think being able to pause in that moment and understand that like, it's me projecting things onto him, me projecting my own stuff onto this conversation. Therefore, I need to figure out why I'm feeling that way. And as I kind of peeled back the layers, what I realized is that up until this point, it felt like a lot of the times I had those conversations with people and they were putting their beliefs on me, not open for discussion at a very basic level. It made me feel like I wasn't good enough because if I'm trying to share my story or my views and people are trying to change them or say that they're wrong, then that means that I'm wrong. And then that means that at a basic level, I'm not good enough. And that was a very hard, you know, I I think that is, is probably a common limiting belief that a lot of people have, but I know that it's one that's come up for me quite a bit. So as soon as I was able to recognize that like, oh, okay, it's, that's my thing. And, and actually it has nothing to do with him. And so I want to hear him out. I want to have this conversation and then I need to figure out what that's about for me and go and do my work in order to adjust that thought and kind of, you know, disband that belief and figure out what the truth is. So that's when we, we started to have that conversation and you know, he, he said that never would he push his faith on me and just hearing, I shouldn't say hearing, literally reading those words, um, was part of our conversation that 
it's like everything, all of this angst around the religion kind of subsided. And it was this sense of peace around a religious conversation that I had never felt before because finally someone was coming to it and expressing up front, like, I'm not here to change you. I'm not here to put my beliefs on you. I don't expect you to share them. I don't expect you to go to church with me. I don't, it's important to me. It is my walk. It is my journey. I want to be able to share that with you because it brings me such joy, but I want to share it with you in a way that also aligns with your beliefs and that creates a space for us to share the things that fuel us and give us hope and inspire us in a way that is also respectful of what we independently find our faith in. I think that's amazing, especially because it sounds like you understanding that about yourself, like why it was triggering to you that once you figured that out, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but once you figured that out, it then almost like you were able to see the situation more clearly. Oh, totally. I mean, you, you take some power away when, as soon as you label that, or as soon as you create that awareness, you take some of the power away. It's no different than fear. It's no different from anxiety. You know, as soon as you like recognize it and stop trying to kind of turn that shoulder from it, all of a sudden you take away some of the power it has, but it's hard to, it's really hard for us to stop and realize what is our own stuff versus what is other people's stuff. And even if it is other people's stuff, how we get to respond to things. It, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's not always comfortable. And to, to take that time and have that space to be like, okay, literally like time out in my head, what's happening? It's almost like you remove yourself, like, and I don't know if you can kind of like visualize this, but sometimes I literally like, okay, Becca's like backing up out of her body, taking a minute. What is, what is the truth here? What does this actually look like? Let's figure this out. Okay, go back into the body and let's talk this through, you know? But sometimes it helps. I know it's, it sounds kind of crazy, but to create that separation, you know? And I think that's where, it, like the simple practices of like journaling or the meditation and, you know, being able to just kind of quiet the mind sometimes in those situations in order to open it up. Like our mind is either creating things to think about or it is reflecting on things that it has gathered right so if we can quiet it from creating all these things to think about then we can open it up to receive some of the other things and I think that when it came in that situation and some other situations it was kind of checking in to see like is this my thing or is this somebody else's and if it's my thing own it and then figure out what what does it mean? What do I need to do about it? Yeah, I feel like I kind of tangented there. No, I think that's great advice. I'm thinking of a time, um, not to talk too much about myself, but Go when I it. started to really change a lot of my religious beliefs, this was like pretty recently, like basically a year ago, I had a, a conversation with somebody who, and I was, I was kind of uncomfortable. I didn't want to like flat out say like, here's what I don't believe anymore, just because I knew well, I shouldn't say I knew. I suspected that it may make this other person uncomfortable. So this was a woman who was asking me like why I hadn't been to church in a while because my husband and I had been attending the church that she went to. And I started to kind of open up a little bit and just talk about, you know, what I was questioning and why I didn't really feel comfortable going and to church at that point. And in like this brief conversation, she was trying to sort of tell me that she's been in my shoes, sort of explaining why she believes what she believes and why I should too. And at first, I felt like I had been in her shoes and I was sort of wanting to be like, no, <laughs> like, I totally know where you're coming from. And my answer is no, I don't believe those things. And it, I, I know I'm being very vague with the descriptions, but after like, just a couple minutes of the, that conversation, I was finally able to do that kind of taking a step back and remind myself that, no, I have not been in her shoes, nor has she been in my shoes because we are two totally different people on two totally different journeys. And mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful because then sort of the rest of the conversation wasn't me feeling like, 
I have to defend myself and I have to like really explain in a way that she will understand. It was more me thinking she's probably uncomfortable that I believe something different than her. And that's really okay. It's okay. Nobody's going to die of being uncomfortable in a conversation. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of the pressure off, I would say, Mm -hmm. of me feeling like I have to perform and I have to make sense and all of my beliefs have to make sense. But just to say, oh, I can just listen to her. And it's up to me whether I want to believe what she believes or not believe what she believes. I feel like that just being able to take a step back, like you said, is especially helpful (laughs) when, especially when you think somebody is trying to like correct your beliefs or talk you into believing what they believe. Sometimes they are and that's okay. And sometimes they're not. And I think from a collective standpoint, like we don't know how to communicate. You're probably right. She was uncomfortable hearing that someone has a different belief than her because what that means then maybe in her brain is, well, if you question it, what am I supposed to think? You know, like I I have all this faith in this. This is where I find my comfort. This is where I find my community. This is where I I have a lot of stake in this, you know? And if someone else is questioning that, then does that make me start to question all of this that I believe? And that's scary. You know, that's a big foundation for people in their lives. It could also be that she just goes into, you know, her own trigger mode. And it's like, okay, well, if you said this, I've been there. I know I'm trying to, I'm trying to empathize in a way that's not actually empathizing at all because (laughs) sharing all of a sudden being like, well, this is my story. Even if you are trying to relate to me, what you're doing is not actually hearing what I'm saying and recognizing my stance and the value that I'm bringing to this conversation. You're just putting your own pieces into it and probably with the best of intentions again, but it's, we don't know how to communicate with people in a way that makes people feel safe to share this kind of stuff. So when you when it goes back to the conversation about loving yourself or trying to take a pause to figure out if it's your own, you know, projection of things versus somebody else's like if we don't know how to communicate that kind of stuff and how to interact with one another in a way that opens that up and approaches it from a place of love and understanding and genuine curiosity in order to connect with one another better, no wonder that we end up in, you know, the situations we end up in with people and all the emotions and the beliefs and feeling uncomfortable and all that kind of stuff. Totally. You've answered this a little bit. I'm still going to ask it in case there's like more. So how did you come to a place of respecting and holding space for each other's individual spiritual practice? And that could either be like within your relationship or just in life with, with any person. One thing that really helped me was literally connecting the dots between what I believe and the tools that I use and the ways that I connect with my faith and with my spirituality to other people. Like, no joke. This was a conversation last weekend. I was having with my boyfriend where he was sharing something and he's like, looking at me, he's like, like, are you getting it? And I'm like, I just need like a couple minutes to connect the dots and basically take what you're saying and digest it into a way that feels connected to my faith so that I really understand what you're saying, you know? So it was simple things like, For me, if I'm meditating and I have my mala or I have my crystals, that's no different than someone holding a rosary and, you know, saying Hail Mary or the Our Father. If I'm taking 10 or 15 minutes in the morning to meditate every morning, that's no different than somebody taking time to pray. If I am using chakra sound healing bowls, I don't personally use them because I can't even call the right thing, but if I'm in a space where they're being used, they're magical instruments, but you know, that's no different than someone going and being at service and listening to the organ play or the band play. It, It was just, I needed to like, we're all seeking the same type of thing, right? We want some sort of faith in something outside of ourselves. It's the daily practices and the rules and the routines around it that end up being the confusing part and the part that caused so much contradiction and struggle. So 
when I'm able to kind of take a step back again and think, okay, how can I connect what I believe and the things that I do to what he does and to what anybody else does? It allowed me to see that we're all just practicing the things in the way that we feel most connected to, that most aligns with us. And at the very basic level, no matter what you believe, there's probably some overlapping values like love and connection and belief in something outside of ourselves doing good to other people that no matter what we can all agree on, you know? So having that kind of foundation helps to recognize it. And also having some of those hard conversations where if somebody actually, if it does feel like someone's trying to push something on me, being okay saying like, I'd love to sit here and talk with you about this kind of stuff. I'm genuinely interested. I want to learn. I want to know what brings you so much joy and what fills you up and what, you know, you find so much faith in, but it, it has to be in a spot that also feels like it's safe for me to share my point of view as well. And to approach this from, you know, with understanding, I think that goes back to the communication, like stating the expectation or the feeling ahead of time, almost like if you're talking with your spouse, instead of coming in and just yelling, you're going to be like, Hey, I love you. This is coming from the absolute best spot in my heart. So I want to make sure this comes across and I don't right know, I don't know the right words to say. So it might come, I'm just going to use the words, but it comes from the right place. That's going to be a totally different response you'd probably get from them than like just coming and screaming your head off. Right. So sometimes setting those expectations that you want to communicate, that you want to be open to the conversation that you want to learn has helped diffuse some situations for me. Yeah. That not to, (laughs) not to take this to a totally different topic. I'm currently, as you know, we're potty training my daughter. That totally reminds me of the way like (laughs) she peed on the floor and I'm not going to be like, how dare you? Like, don't do that. It comes with me going, you're still learning. Pee pee doesn't go on the floor. It goes in the potty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. It it just, you know, we're also, um, I feel like in a lot of ways, we're all really wound up and we all have these like defense mechanisms and we don't want people to question what we believe or what we, you know, how we operate or anything like that. So when you can take the time to like recognize that and like, Hey, I'm, I'm not trying to question things. I'm just trying to learn, like genuinely curious about stuff. It, I, it just changes the whole scope of a conversation. Absolutely. And I totally agree with what you said earlier, where all sort of faiths and spiritual practices on some level have like a lot of overlapping things. And really, I think personally, I think are just people trying to connect with a higher power in what you said, the way that feels the most aligned with them, which I think is awesome and amazing. And I personally started to realize that more that all of these different beliefs have a lot of overlapping values and overlapping aims and trying to connect with a higher power when I was uh, going through a yoga teacher training. And a lot of I was just learning a lot of different things about like Hinduism and Buddhism, because there were different ladies in the class as well that had different beliefs. And Mm -hmm. I never really argued like for Christianity, because I just didn't feel like that was something I wanted to do. But in my head, I would always think, oh, no, 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 no. These are totally different. When somebody would like make a comparison, like, oh, Buddhism and Christianity both have this same value. And I, in my head would be thinking, no, they're totally different because Christianity, blah, blah, blah. And I started to hear myself in my head say things that were like, I was trying to say they were totally different. And then I would be like rewording the same thing. Almost like, okay, I I feel really bad that I can't think of an example right now. No, no, you're good. It was like me kept, like I kept thinking, no, they're totally different because, and then my, I I was running out of like, because is like, I was running out of reasons. And then I started to realize like, oh wait, no, like a lot of these things are very, very similar. And maybe what's different is just the culture and the way that we're used to practicing or whatever. Or the, literally, I mean, the geographic area, you know what I mean? It's like, like, even something as simple as that has an impact on what 
the what what the community foundation of spirituality is. You know, like I'm in West Michigan. It is heavily Christian reform. It is heavily Dutch because that people came over and settled here. So like, sure, that makes sense that that's how the community is built because those are the people that were there. So even just, yeah, something as simple as that can have. Totally. So my very last question for you, if you're comfortable sharing is what does your current spiritual practice look like? I would say, I don't know that there's actually a label for it and and I'm totally okay with that. I'm probably actually more comfortable with that. If I would associate it closely with anything, it is probably, you know, new age, neo-pagan maybe. I'll say this. I feel and have had some of the most profound experiences where I feel totally aligned with who I am when I am outside in nature. And, you know, there's some practices that I have in place. Like I use my crystals. I learn astrology and take my, you know, astrological birth chart into mind and look at that of other people. I follow the planets and where they're at in the sky. I have rituals for the new moon and the full moon every month, celebrating the wheel, the wheel of the year, which is more of a Wiccan tradition with the eight natural kind of holidays around the year, like the the spring equinox and the summer solstice and that kind of stuff. I feel so connected to the natural rhythm of the universe and the natural cycles. And at a very basic level, we are the same energy as everything else. And there's a sense of connection I feel to that, that for me is easy to understand and grasp and feel that I feel now more aware of myself and in tune with myself than I ever have before. And it's really been in the last couple of years of practicing these sorts of things and uncovering again, more of who I am and aligning it with the natural cycles of the seasons and nature that has allowed me to do that. So I don't even know what necessarily that would kind of be. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I love, like I said, I love the tarot cards and the astrology and my crystals and like that kind of tangible stuff. And then interpreting my dreams and, you know, finding guidance through all of that stuff, the elements of earth, fire, wind, water, that kind of thing. So the the natural, (laughs) natural (laughs) spirituality, and and that is kind of, I mean, the basis of paganism and some of those more like, you know, ancient religions, really, I think is probably where I would feel most closely aligned to it. But again, it's like, I don't, not everything there makes sense for me. You know, not everything with um, Wicca makes sense for me. Not everything. It, it's just, I kind of pick and choose what I feel most called with uh, or most called to. I think that's beautiful. I think I really love that one of the first things that you said was how you've had the most profound experiences in nature. And that is really what kind of it sounds like is the basis of your current spiritual practice is what you feel most aligned with, which I just think is beautiful. I think that's like a wonderful example for everyone to, to go with what they feel the most aligned with. Yeah. And I think, you know, in those situations where they were so powerful, it was like in within minutes, like the universe showed up for me in those situations. You know, like I'll give an example. I was doing a couple months ago, I was doing a full moon ritual. You know, part of the energy of the full moon is being able to like release things. And there's lots of different ways you can go deeper into what type of things you should release based on, you know, the sign that the moon is in and all sorts of stuff. But in general, it's an opportunity to kind of release things that are no longer serving you. So I had a list of things and I had written down of, you know, the things that I wanted to release. And I I had done that when I was in the bath. And so then I w- you're like burning them to let them go and let them just like kind of, you know, get rid of them. So I tried burning them in a candle in, uh, when I was in the bath and they just fell into the wax. <laughs> they didn't burn. So then I'm like, uh, that kind of defeats the purpose. So I like got out of my bath and then I like put my PJs on and my coat. Mind you, this was like in the middle of winter in Michigan. And I took a little piece of wood and I went out into my backyard and I had this wax ball of paper (laughs) and I lit it on fire and if you ever go camping and you want like a waterproof fire starter 
do that because the thing sat there and burned and burned and burned and burned for like a half hour. The stuff did not just like burn up with the paper and go. But it was amazing because as I'm sitting there watching this burn on this little, it was almost like a wooden boat. It was actually a piece of scrap firewood, but it was just burning and burning. And I'm standing there under this full moon that was absolutely beautiful. And I'm thinking about all of the things that I wrote on that paper and just letting go of them and literally thinking about them going up into the universe. And I kid you not, as the fire was starting to finally burn down, I look up at the full moon and there were these, the wispiest of clouds passing over the full moon. And it was almost like all the stuff that people were releasing, whether they knew it or not, to be honest, but the things I was releasing, it's like you could see like this cloud representing all of that stuff being released and just floating over this moon. And in doing so, cast the most beautiful color spectrum over these clouds of like this iridescent, like think of an oil slick, this like just rainbow of colors. And I was out there just about in tears because I just thought like, that is exactly what you, what you feel you want to happen, what you want to see. Like it literally felt like all of that stuff was being taken away and in the most beautiful way. And so it's, it's stuff like that, that just feels like, I don't know how I cannot find some faith in that when it feels so connected to where I'm at, who I am and what I believe. That's amazing. I love that story. Thank you. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to add that I haven't, haven't asked about? No, I think, you know, I just encourage people to be curious, you know, and and I do think that maybe with the last year, the the beauty and some of the silver lining and all the struggle that we've gone through is that people are at a point where they can maybe start thinking about what is really important and how do we connect with those that we love and things that are important to us. And, you know, do we want to be in this you know, rat race of nonstop all the time. And I I think that's part of that. Like, what do you really want? What are the values? And taking time to like get curious about that stuff. Cause we do, I know it's cliche, but like you really have such a short amount of time in the body that you're in now while we're here. So like, how do you make them? How do you make the most of it? You know? So yeah, get curious. I would say. That is great advice. So if people want to find you, if you're okay with me sharing this, they can find you on Instagram at Becca Aldrich. And with your permission, I will put that in the show notes. Oh, totally. (laughs) I totally thought of another question. Um, If you could, if there are any resources that have helped you as far as like books, podcasts, like whatever, if there are a few that you could suggest. Well, I feel like we've talked about a lot. And as I, I literally have a bookshelf. The only books I buy are like spiritual, self-development, mystical, whatever. (laughs) I think that, oh man, there's so many good ones. One that I think is really relevant kind of do a lot of the stuff we talked about that is a little bit. It was one that I kind of read a couple times, but it was The Untethered Soul. And the author is Michael Stinger. And that was one that was really, that helped kind of, helped understand how to like separate ourselves from, like in the the authors was more of like the, the subconscious and the conscious, but it was enough to be able to, like we had talked about when you're taking a step back and kind of being able to check in with yourself, that kind of thing. That was one that had a lot of value and kind of trying to develop some of that practice. I think actually one that, especially for women, I do know that men obviously struggle with all of this stuff, but I think especially nowadays, we as women are in a really incredible position to push the boundaries to continue to push the boundaries and Glennon Doyle her book Untamed was one that it's almost like it just kind of gave permission to dig deeper and to help uncover some of you know darker things and to embrace kind of who we all have within us and that it's okay to not fit you know, expectations and stuff like that. And and it's a pretty easy read because it's a lot of short essays. So that was another one more recently that I had read. Well, thank you. 
And I have not read Untamed yet, but I've been meaning to because I've heard wonderful things about it. Thank you so, so much for your time and for everything you shared. Yeah, this was fun. I'm looking forward to editing this podcast because I know that I will then get to hear everything you said again, because I thought it was just absolutely wonderful. All right. I hope that you enjoyed that. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Spirit Body Podcast. I will put that in the show notes. I hope you have a lovely, lovely day and a wonderful week. Love you guys. Bye.